This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This month, Angel Witch will release their fifth full-length album, Angel of Light, via Metal Blade Records. Angel Witch's 1980 eponymous debut on Bronze Records created shockwaves that would resonate throughout the nascent realms of thrash, doom, and death metal. Now, nearly four decades later, the band remains custodians of a style that transcends era and archetype. Purchase your copy of Angel of Light by Angel Witch now at metalblade.com slash Angel Witch. Once again, Angel Witch. Angel of Light. Go to metalblade.com slash Angel Witch today. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Spych, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hey, what's going on out there? It is I, your host, Petter Spych. I'm always joined by... Hey... It is I, not the host, the other host, well, co-host, mm. part, part host, Brandon Hahn. You can find <laughs> me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mr. Hahn Comedy. And I'm Jocelyn Sharp. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. That's J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N Sharp. And guys, always follow Sylvia Alvarado on at It's the Sylvia on Instagram and Twitter. And if you guys want to follow me, I am at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter. Rise to Offend official on Instagram this week, guys, we're talking to Carl Sanders of Nile. We're here to talk about their new record, Vile Nilotic Rights. It is out right now. If you guys have not had a chance to hear it, definitely pick it up. Excellent record. It's Nile. I don't know what else to say. I mean, there's probably not a more consistent band in death metal than them. You know, just excellent work all the way. So make sure you guys are picking that up. And they are currently on tour in North America with Terrorizer. Check dates for that they know how to cross their t's and dot their i's hmm. Hmm. what yeah. does that mean they're good writers yeah well i mean i'll tell you this is the booklet thorough. the booklet in the nile record i mean carl wrote some fucking serious shit i haven't read it all yet yeah. there's a lot of fucking verbiage in the booklet i'm just letting you know Did you have to google a lot of the words no 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 no, no, no 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 i didn't have to do that it's cool okay i really i appreciate shit like that for the people that buy physical copies out there it's yeah, like thank you carl making fun of his reading skills <laughs> hmm. his skills are kind of low yeah, but you're like the part host. I am the part host. <laughs> I am the part host. <laughs> part host. Big talk from the part host. <laughs> Look, I'm, t- I'm still recovering from last night, guys. Take it easy. I guess that makes. I guess me being the host is just because I do the interviews. But I feel like we're all equals. Oh, nah, we're you not. Made me feel good. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's let's ride this, Jaws, and let's ride this. Maybe we can get some more money out of this cheap son of a bitch. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> as always, guys, let's jump into the metal sucks news. Before we get to our interview with Carl from Nile, first thing I really want to talk about, Sleep, who I feel just reunited. I got to see them many times on this reunited tour. Um, just a powerful act. And uh, they announced their final shows before their indefinite hiatus. Now, kind of got taken off guard by this. Um, so makes you speculate. Do these guys just not like each other? Because it seems like they don't have to do much to be active. They don't tour a ton. Well, what is the alternative? Do they not like each other? Or was this just hmm. a cash grab? Or was it like... That's the thing. I, I can't say... I mean, I can't say it was a cash grab. They put out the Sciences last year. Excellent record. I think a lot of people put it on their you know, best of list. So people loved it. They, they didn't tour a ton. But the thing is, though... But is they were special to wherever they played. Nowadays, though... Mm-hmm. 
maybe they put out the record and maybe they did a tour with that, but you don't have to be in the same studio nowadays to record an album. I, I No, but I think they did. I don't think any of that was an issue. Okay. I just find it, it, it kind of came out of nowhere and I'm like, what the fuck? Did a girlfriend or wife get plowed? Mm, you mean Within the band. Is that what you mean? Like bass player bangs somebody else. This kind of speculation's retarded. I know, <laughs> but it's what not out of the ordinary. It's not out of the ordinary. Did someone sit on, shit in the tour bus? Look, <laughs> it happened to Fleetwood Mac, one of the most metal bands of all time. I guess no, I don't know, dude. There's nothing else there. They just said they're taking. Okay, I just speculate. I, let let I, me read what they wrote. I verbatim. think this is like a marketing thing. I think this is what because there's mm. no reason to like announce this unless you're just trying to pack shows like i don't like if if there's not a if you're saying we're on an indefinite hiatus like unless you're like trying to you would be like we're breaking up you know what i mean like if you really didn't get along but let me say this now this is again or a health scare could it be a health scare like brandon <laughs> it could be it could be toe jam i don't know okay your your, your speculation is awesome what else could it be uh let's see here I already, somebody's I wife health. got plowed i covered health i covered cheating stolen money Ooh, uh, wow. one of them could have found out that he was secretly a superhero well let's, right? let's look at matt pike's last year matt pike from sleep obviously high on fire um he had his toe amputated. They had to cancel a bunch of high on fire tours. They did sleep shows kind of in between. Not a lot. Only about a week's worth of touring. Something like that. Des Kenzel from High on Fire after 20 years quit High on Fire. This happened recently. And now sleeps on an indefinite hiatus. So it seems like whatever's going on might all be related to Matt Pike and his health issues like you were saying maybe he can't tour double duty as much as he used to or yeah, i mean we, like we sometimes forget that the musicians are humans and sometimes they're like i just need a break man dude sometimes <laughs> i'm gonna tell you something you need all your toes to hit those notes would you rather <laughs> <laughs> as as a trio who would you guys rather have active high on fire or sleep jocelyn I like high on fire. Yeah, high on I fire. I do too. Yeah. I like high on fire more too. I'll tell wow, you okay. one, of my, so, one of my all time. So we win, I guess. One of my all time favorite metal shirts ever. Pete, I, 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 I had to work. Shirt, right? I had to work, and Pete brings up, Pete bought me a high on fire shirt, but it was Richard Pryor for some reason. It was it's like just like his Richard head, and it said high on fire. High on fire <laughs> because yeah, he set like, himself on fire. It's like, I have to get this shirt for Brandon. He was high Hilarious. on fire too because he was high on meth, wasn't he? I don't but know he set what himself Richard up. It was something. It, it was like a huge drug concoction. You know what I mean? But yeah, he set himself on fire. <laughs> you know what's a crazy Richard Pryor story is that he was the only person I ever knew watching comedy that said Jack all the time. You know what I'm saying, Jack? And I'm oh like, yeah, that was a '70s term though. Yeah. I never heard that before Richard Pryor. Well, I believe everybody out there is like I'm stupid, but I never heard somebody say Jack talking about like people i guess in general well i i've heard a few people say it but again i, like I mean it. these are like older dudes yeah that like uh, like it's time. like my grandpa's I, friends yeah like, right i yeah. want to americanize it you know how americans now say what, what's the most annoying thing they stole from like in the english people oh, oh uh, english yeah they, they say they say <laughs> no we totally jack prince harry <laughs> <laughs> prince harry <laughs> He's pretty annoying. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. Oh, that's what it when is. When a dude that speaks Americanized English says, all right, dude, cheers. I'm like, dude, dude what is wrong with you? Who do you know that did that? All oh, the I know. time. I'm right. All He's the right. time. They get... say cheers to me. I'm like, don't don't say bloody and don't say cheers, asshole. You're yeah. from fucking Las Vegas. I have a friend. I have a friend, uh, uh, an American cheers. friend. He calls me mate. All right, mate. Like, no, yeah, you're don't not. Don't do that. You're, that's not, you know. That's cultural appropriation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, yeah, you're appropriating that culture. Stop it right now. <laughs> like, we got lingo that's just as stupid. Say Jack, dude. 
Don't say hey, cheers. Look, say Jack. I think the word fuck came so from mate, us. So mate is a no, but Jack is okay. I like Jack. According well, to my that's, logic, that's yeah. American. <laughs> that's 70s blaxploitation lingo. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Like, you probably All heard right. that song. You probably heard that word. I remember hearing that. I bet when I saw Coffee's Titties. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Coffee's Titties. Someone said Jack in that movie. Exactly. This I, is I, the I, logic that Radish has built. Yeah. That's what happened yeah. here. <laughs> Exactly. Foxy Brown let loose those titties, and I was like, those are nice titties, Jack. And someone said, look at those, Jack. Exactly. <laughs> those dope ass titties, And then somebody Jack. else said, wow, look at those, mate. Don't have, don't, don't have proof of that, but I did tell Brandon the first time I ever seen a naked woman in a movie ever. I was like eight years old. It was Coffee or Foxy Brown. It was Pam Greer. Yeah. Oh. And I was like, that's a woman. Dude. <laughs> that was virtually my guideline of like, yes. okay. Yeah. And let me so tell you I need something. to marry someone that looks like you. Check. Check. Pam Greer in the 70s. I don't think it got Ooh, hotter. She's so fine. She was so hot. Nah, man. And then when Still I, is. When I, when I was in my age, rage of the, you know, everybody else, I was comparing them to the first naked person I saw. Hot ass. She was goddess of Pam yeah, Greer, and yeah. there's these 16 year old girls being like, "Pete, do you like me?" Pete was like, oh, <laughs> "Pete was like, then some nice titties to Jack, and then he jacked." It's like if it ain't Foxy, no, I, I, I wasn't jacking at the time. I was too young for okay, that. Okay, balls haven't dropped yet. Not okay. yet. I don't know. I'm just saying. I just remember being like, "Whoa, what is this?" Yeah. And then, and then your mind started. That's that my first. I memory. told you. I told yeah. you the, the first time I for ever you realized was Paul Abdul. It was Paul Abdul. Yeah. I didn't. The first time I realized I was a gay it was Paul Abdul on that cartoon. I was like, "She gonna bang." MC Scat Cat? Mm-hmm. I didn't know, but yeah, it was hot. <laughs> MC Scat That's when you realized you were into bestiality, <laughs> I was, though, I was, Well, in animation. <laughs> Again, when he says bang, he means kiss. Yes. Like, we were thinking kissing at that I was No, there's a part where his tail, and it's like goes up or like in between her legs, and I'm just like, Scat Cat, please, <laughs> show some cooth. Hashtag me too. Hashtag meow too. Exactly. <laughs> meow too. <laughs> meow too. You get the fuck out of here with that. We are not allowed to do a hashtag meow too bit. We are not allowed. You know it's coming. It's somebody's coming. Gonna, somebody's hitting us up on Twitter. Somebody's going to hit us all up on Twitter with meow too. <laughs> oh my God. Well, how did we get on this? It just happened. We started with sleep it's and then you, high on fire. That's assumed, what it was. Richard assumed, Pryor, yeah. And you also assumed that sleep would break up because somebody fucked somebody else's wife. I'm just saying it's not out of the question. It's happened before. Well, let's just move on on Google, uh, you know, Pam Greer naked and coffee. And, Please uh, do next that. Reunited do yourself bands. a favor. Everybody, <laughs> everybody listening, go Google Pam Greer and coffee just for the end. Just, just for that image. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> 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 hashtag meow too. It's hashtag meow too. <laughs> Anyways, okay, guys, next band that's reuniting. That listen, okay. I know I sound a little downtrodden. The snob in me's coming out. Okay, super stoked that the Black Crows are reuniting in 2024. A shake your money maker anniversary tour. Anybody that's seen the Black Crows, real quick before I talk about this reunion now black crows i know ah, they're not a metal band but just fucking trust me listen to the black crows everything they put out is fucking amazing okay it's not hardcore but yeah you'll get into it trust me they're amazing i've seen them live so many times in my life and some of the best live shows i've ever seen three hours plus fucking a loved it anyways now back to what i was gonna say the reunited version of the black crows is jess chris and rich robinson the brothers in the band now to me yeah, okay, passable. Next, they're playing Shake Your Moneymaker in its entirety as a 30th anniversary show. If anybody's ever seen the Black Crows live before, 
they don't do things like this. They just play a bunch of shit you don't know about. Songs go 12 minutes. Who gives a shit? It's a jam band type of thing. They don't play albums in their entirety. This is weird as well. Okay. So... I'm excited for this, and I'm going to go, because they're coming out here to the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. I'll You're going to go? Oh, I'm going. Oh, Meow too. Yeah. Me- meow too. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker. I've been waiting. What about you, Joss? What like, about here you? Here we go. Meow too. <laughs> meow too. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm going to go. I've seen, them, I've seen them with Jimmy Page. I've yeah. seen the Black Crows so many times. They're great. Uh, and I love the, love the band. And so I'm not excited about this. I'm excited for this show even though i'm going as much as i'd be excited if zach wild phil anselmo and rex brown are like we're gonna tour pantera songs like eh, yeah i'll be there but see i this is not what everybody experienced back in the day just so people know whoever goes to the black this is not what we saw growing up this is not the greatness dude you're right but again i think them the brothers whether they reconciled, whether they realized, look, we need each other to make some money and then we'll go our separate ways for another 20 years and then we'll get back together and do this shit again. That's what it feels you know? like to me. Right. It's like whether they're just kind of reconciled, whether they've reconciled or whether they have really buried buried the hatchet and decided to move forward as a band, maybe record some new music. I don't see that happening. I just think that this is a way to keep their retirement. They don't full. play yes. the hits, dude. They don't. They play the deep cuts, But that shows bro. me. But, they don't play the but hits. But that's what I'm getting at. That's exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah. It shows me that this is more of a cash grab than anything because the jam band thing was exactly what the Black Crows were, no, were known for. And it was great. Like the environment and the energy that they would put out just by jamming. I, I'm not a jam band guy, but I no. like watching the Black Crows. Crows though, yeah. Yeah, they were great. Yeah. Uh, now, if they're going to get together and just do the hits, it's like, look, let's just phone this shit in. As soon as the show's going, you go stage left, I go stage right, and then we'll meet back here tomorrow in a different city at the same time. I mean, it, I mean, am I am I wrong for saying that? Am no, I, I don't is think that a so. I, I I don't think so. I think a lot of bands that reunited later for money, which they're allowed to, their legacies are great. You know, I've seen performances of them before. Let's go with System of a Down, and I've seen them after. And there, I know there's an age gap between that because it's been 15 or 20 years, but there is no touching that version in comparison to this version. You know what I'm saying? There's very few bands that age exactly the same tool as one of those bands that if you see them live today and you saw them 25 years ago you're getting the same experience. yeah they weren't doing stage dives they no. weren't doing a you know maybe maynard was you know dressing up in women's lingerie 20 years ago but i mean it's like nowadays that's guns and roses cares i think I, I didn't see them in the 80s or 90s so I, I don't want i can't say that i saw them only later but the point is is that a lot of these bands that you know stick the breakup, comeback, yada yada yada. You're getting like a half version of them. You know, you're you're getting a a mediocre version. We we talked about Marilyn Manson for ever on our other podcast, Rise to Offend, and and we always go back to if you saw him from 1996 to like 2001, you saw one of the greatest fucking rock shows of all time ever. And then if you've seen him from 2000 fucking eight to now, you've seen. Yeah, you see mediocrity at the best, right? It's just not the same. But to be fair, with the other Black Crows members that were not including in this tour, maybe they were like, "Oh, you're just gonna do the hits? That's not what we do. We'll back out." We don't know. Maybe they did offer that to the rest of the remaining members, and they were just kind of like, "This is what we're gonna do." And they're like, "Nah, you guys could just go there and do your thing and get your money." I like how you're being devil's advocate, but I don't know. I still don't think that they would have walked away from that money. Yeah, Yeah. you know, I, I, I really. Like I said, for and then newer fans too, to experience the band, it's like, 
But at the same time, though, the other members of the band might be in other bands as well, and maybe they just they couldn't link up the times. I mean, these things happen, but man. Where, it's been but a where long do time we draw the line? Together. We've talked about this a thousand times with these like shuffle band members still call it a reunion thing. Like, like uh, three of us could get together and start playing Machine Head songs. We're not a Machine Head. Right, like. yeah. <laughs> and, and Rich Robinson's other band with Mark Ford of the Black Crows, the Magpie Salute, they put out two fantastic records in the last couple of years. I don't know how much, but they, they've been an active band and they've been putting out new new stuff so the step back to me is only for oh it's cash grab it's yeah. cash grab and it's i cash hate grab. Dude, but i hate that i'm gonna go i'm gonna go um i didn't feel that way are you gonna throw money at them no i'm oh. just gonna i'm just gonna watch little chris robinson dance on stage and make his funny banter he, he's, he's really good at funny banter i'm sure he loves to be called little chris robinson he's little though <laughs> that's right that's right little chris robinson he's little man that's what kate hudson called him <laughs> oh, <laughs> kate hudson's yeah. probably Hey, I'm a comedian, yeah. professional comedian. Dude. Here. Hey. <laughs> She's probably bigger than him, honestly. <laughs> Aww. Oh no, not his dick. That's what. Oh, you're Jaws talking. Oh, oh Pete, my God, bad, I my had bad. to really. Not, my so bad. Disappointed. Me too. All right. <laughs> no, you just messed it up. You messed now. it up. Meow too. Meow too. My bad. <laughs> You're killing me. I'm killing everybody You're right killing now. Me. I'm killing everybody. It's hard. It's Jazzo hard. and I are clearly hung over, and you are the one struggling. <laughs> We're on fire. We are on fire right now. What's I, fucked up is I'm not hungover. We're high on fire. I just ate a big bowl of ramen before I went <laughs> okay. to bed. Okay. Well, then I am high. I am hungover right now. So and she's got bubble guts. Yeah. Because you, you don't eat ramen before yeah, you yeah. sleep and wake up with your guts in, in order. I'm projecting my problems on the trouble right now. I'm projecting my problems on the Jaws. I'm like, come on, Jaws, be hungover with me. The fuck? Jaws has got bubble guts. You, you, you're hungover. Me, I'm just tired. Yeah, just tired. Hey, that's what happened. You're you got a dad. three kids. You know, exactly. Like, Pete's hung over. Pete's got this same hung hangover that I have every single day. Just my three children running around. Yeah, they're awesome though. I know they're. Aw- I'm not saying <laughs> Jesus. I'm not saying they're He's shitty. He's such a dad. I know, right? He's he, such a dad. He, he, I like, miss him. Like I'll make a joke. I'll make a joke, and people like make sure. Just want to make sure this is all clear. I love them. I love my I children. Love- we know you love your children, Pete. It's very obvious you love your children. Yeah, because we come in to record, and we're like, "Hey, look at this picture where I was last night drinking." And Pete's like, "Look at this." Look at my son in a fountain. <laughs> I'm like, there he is. He's See his haircut? He's fountaining it up. He looks like a beetle. <laughs> my, my son currently has a horrible haircut. Oh, it's not horrible. Done by my grandma. By oh. his grandma. My grandma. His grandma. Your gra- your no, mom? His, his, my mom? My mom cut his hair uh, just around the front where his eyes are, ignored everything around Dude. his ears, <laughs> and then cut his back. So it's like he's got long hair on the side over his ears. But guess what? And then he's got a bowl cut. He That's has a mini hair. mullet? But I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> no, he's, he's the back she cut, too. In Montenegro, a mini mullet. In Montenegro in that is the haircut. In Montenegro, that is, that is future star of That's, soccer. That's yeah. a Montenegrin mullet. Exactly. That is, That's a messy helmet. Yeah. And don't That's worry. A, he, he came home in a tracksuit, too. Thanks, <laughs> Grandma. <laughs> there, yeah. I'm telling you. She's hooking you up. She, she a completely gold yeah, chain yeah, around his neck. A gold-plated chain around his neck and a bag of radishes just ready to party. Absolutely. Not showered, no deodorant. That's yeah. my kid right now. Straight Montenegro. Well, I just talked some shit. You did. I, no, I, did. Yeah. I just people. stereotyped my own people. You did. People. And it, no, first I did it, and then you did it. Yeah. You, meow too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Last story before we get into our interview with uh, Kyle Sanders, my friends of Nile. Corey Taylor thinks you don't need drugs or alcohol to make great music. I have a theory, but you go first, Joe. Oh. Um, I think that Steven Tyler and all of the musicians in the history of music would disagree. Okay. Uh, I don't know about music, but I know you need drugs and alcohol to make a good podcast. And mm. I'm, I'm the only one that's partaking in that. My Joss is there, too. What am I talking about? Bubble Listen. Guts is not drugs or alcohol. That's ramen before sleep. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's... I mean, pro- food's a drug. Yeah, but she, you know what? She's got a point. She's got a point. I've mainlined ramen before. <laughs> I had a bagel this morning. But, okay. I I agree. With, I, here's the thing. I think with... I mean, s- Steven Taylor's even been said, even said in interviews, like, I couldn't make that music again. But I, I but I know that I would lose my life to drugs if I went back there. I think there's a certain mindset that drugs and alcohol gives you. So I don't know. I mean, I it's crazy because I can't really think of a band that I was thoroughly in love with that didn't have their struggles yeah. with booze and, and drugs. I I don't know. I I can't think of a single band that hasn't had. Now I've seen guys, you know, have huge success while on drugs and alcohol, and then they stop and they're sober, and then they still could put out some good music after they get the ball rolling. But I've never... Here's This what, is wait. my theory. Okay. okay. Ready for this, guys? This yeah. is my theory. I'm ready. And I hate to say this, because I'm in a way, I'm promoting drugs and alcohol for the youth, mm-hmm. right? Which is which sounds horrible. Right. I think if you haven't... You've already promoted bull haircuts. Yeah, now. No, I haven't, actually. Um, <laughs> jumpsuits, tracksuits. Actually, he's, he's promoted two-thirds of a bull haircut. <laughs> every time my kid comes home, every time he comes home, he looks like a beastie boy from License to Ill. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, mom? <laughs> Like, can't you just get him a sweater? Oh, God, Mom. Can't you just give him some no With the Adidas. Did, get it off of him. Yeah. It's all skin-tight Adidas. He's four. Anyways. Loving it. Loving it. God. Bitching about kids on the Metal Sucks podcast. You're yeah. going to find him Googling dash cam soon. Um, <laughs> when you're a young artist and you don't have much life experience... Drugs and alcohol can take you on a confidence and kind of a plane that you probably don't normally have, an ego plane that can make you try things and and kind of have an out-of-body experience. That works when you're young. I'm saying real young. So on that level, a lot of these artists that did were into bands and into drinking into drugs when they were younger put out amazing records. But the problem with that is that shit stops pretty early. I'd say 25, you need to stop that shit and get sober. Meanwhile, you probably are an addict and you made these great records and now you have to figure out life. So there's almost like a time frame where I think, you know what? No responsibility. You're not hurting other people's. Experiment that shit and make some art. I'm good with that. What Pete is suggesting is a metal rumspringer. Oh. <laughs> yes. The that, Amish. That's what the Amish do between after they turn 18, before they decide to be Amish forever, they go like fucking party in the real world, and then they either go back to Amish country or they stay with us. Yeah, but there's got to be... I like rumspringer? Yeah. Yeah, buddy. That, that sounds like a weird, creepy German word. It's not. It's, it's not. It's Amish. Rumsch- it's Amish. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, it's Amish. What's? They have a language? Yeah, the Pennsylvania Dutch. Yeah. Your mother's. I'm just saying. Amish. I'm, just, I'm literally. Wow. I'm literally just saying Amish words. I know. I know nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Pennsylvania <laughs> Dutch. Yeah. I know Rumspringa and butter. That's pretty much yeah, all I know. I know, when it I comes know to woodless stoves. <laughs> what is it? I have a theory that's a bummer, but also I think the more accurate one and piggybacks on Pete's in that people who abuse drugs and alcohol often have severe, intense childhood trauma, and I think that good music comes from traumatic 
life pain mm. and people who abuse drug and alcohol excessively often have a lot of tragedy in their life so i i think that the booze is less about the music and the tragedy is more about the music the booze is just a side effect of the tragedy i or, or drugs these are all good good theories i mean i i think i have to go with pete on this one though because it's like yeah when i drink still to this day at 40 does that mean I'm oh, you have to go? Th- you're going to go say, with the guy who didn't know what Rumspringer yeah, right, was? Exactly. No, I'm not going to say. That's not a common term. <laughs> you're you're going to go with Hooked on Phonics over here? That's what <laughs> okay, you're, you're going to go with? <laughs> that's better. And nobody knew what Rumspringer <laughs> was. Spells out there. Phonics with an F. All right, so. Phonics. F-O-N-X. But anyway, though, I think, even I, though, when I drink a couple of beers and then I'll go up on stage and then next thing you know, I'll say something doing stand-up that's it just came out of me because I'm feeling a little bit more confident. I feel like I'm a lot more in charge of what I'm doing in front Meanwhile, of this audience. Meanwhile, the audience is uncomfortable. Meanwhile, yeah, they're just kind of like... This guy's drunk. Yeah, they're like, he just said Rumspringer. <laughs> I can only tell Gooch is drunk when... Oh, I'm sorry, Brandon. I can only... You I, could call me Gooch. I can okay. only... <laughs> I can live with it. Jesus Christ. Call me by my name. Um, I... Think that Brandon, you know Brandon's drunk when he dances to no music. Oh yeah, he not like he doesn't like dance. He like metal dances. Like he like starts a mosh pit with himself for like three seconds. So I don't he think like, he's we're ever... in the parking lot of Jack in the Box. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm just, I'm just happy to see everyone. I'm just slam dancing, just <laughs> yeah. skanking. Give me two tacos. Yeah. What happens is I start <laughs> imitating the dancer on the Mighty Mighty Boss tones, and I just cut loose. <laughs> With that, after... Um, before we... No, no, you go, go, go. Can I just shout out? I want to shout out Tommy the Duck, who... Oh, yeah! Who came out to my show at the Offensive Vegan out? here in Las Vegas. He was in town Fucking visiting, a. and he came out to see me, and he's been listening to us for years, and we love him, and he is the best and has supported us through every iteration of every podcast that we've done. Um, I have a picture with him. I'm going to post it on my Instagram, so go follow me on Instagram and, and you know, double tap that. Say what's up to Tommy the Duck. Awesome, dude. Tommy the Duck, way to go see Jocelyn and not Brandon. Tommy, thank you. Yes, yes. Tommy Wonder the Duck, why? Tommy the Duck. Wonder I, why you chose Jaws. Tommy the Duck, I love you slash hate you, but it's fine. Thank you for the support, but not in the not in person. You. Oh. No, Unfortunately, I live, I live in a garage. You'll never see me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> thank kids. you, Tommy. <laughs> Anyways, no, thank you, Tommy. You're the fucking best. With that, let's keep the show rolling. Let's jump into our interview with Carl Sanders of Niall. Everybody, Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast on the phone. I got Carl from Nile. We're here to talk about the new record, Vile Nilotic Rights. It is out right now, guys, and they are also currently on their North American tour with Terrorizer, so make sure you're checking dates. That's running all the way till December 14th. Carl, let's talk about the writing process for Vile Nilotic Rights. How did it begin, and what was the time frame for you to complete the record? Well, you know, we've been working on this for quite a while. Uh, we had, uh, after the last record, uh, which did not be unearthed, uh, we toured for a good two, three years, um, just supporting the shit out of that record. Um, so at some point we decided, you know what, we, we better start working on the fucking next record. Um, so we spent like a year going back and forth. Um, writing songs, doing pre-production, you know, recording and re-recording, you know, pre-production demos. Um, and actually, yeah, we, we spent about a year on that. So we, uh, 
I think we started recording drums last October. I flew over to Greece, and uh, me and George worked on the drums. And, uh, yeah, so that was all of last year. And we delivered the record in June. So there's, there was a good eight months we worked on this, you know, the actual recording of the record. Now, when being creative like that, is it hard to keep momentum? Or are you like, I already been there, already tried this, and then, or, or is, it, is it easier for you? Because a lot of times for me, when I'm starting a project, I'm really into it. And then slowly, I, I want it to kind of be complete. Did that have any feeling like this? Or was it all very good pacing for you? Well, we definitely paced, but by the end of it, uh, we were pretty done. It, it had taken over our lives for so many months that uh, we were ready to finish. We, uh, you know, but we couldn't move on, you know, with life until we actually did finish. So, you know, even though it caused us, you know, each, you know, a significant amount of personal grief, uh, you know, in our home lives, we had to finish. You know, we couldn't not finish. Uh, there were, you know, everyday fans that were saying, "Hey, when's the record coming out? When are you guys going to be done?" So. You know, there was there was no slacking off. We we just had to stay on it until it was finished. Excellent, man. You did mention while writing the record that your blood pressure was like near one sixty, but it has leveled <laughs> out um, now that the record is uh, you know it's going to be re- released. It's out right now. Um, why do you feel that the pressure went away? Because uh, we were done. <laughs> we were done, and we felt good about it. Uh, you know, there's there's been times when we did a record. And even though we were really excited about it, you know, there was still anxiety about it. Um, but this one, we're so confident that, man, we know it's good. Uh, we are very sure of what we got on our hands. And you know, there's, there's a sense of calm about this record release. Um, we're just, you know, we're, we're fucking happy people are getting a chance to hear it now. Yes, absolutely. I, the record is fantastic. I got to tell you, like there is a um, there's an energy to the records when I listen to them, and and it seems like this one it has a little positive energy to it. Like when it was being made, was it done more democratically, and were you guys all in a really good headspace as a group? I think yeah, you know that's that really was a, a big thing for us this time was the amount of positive enthusiasm, the mental clarity uh, that was there, the, the teamwork. The, the support, the respect, you know, it's something that, you know, has been sadly lacking in, in our camp for quite a while until, you know, this album. Um, you know, we were able to find a place where we could all get on the same team and work together instead of working against each other because it's actually quite easy to not even realize you're all working against each other, you know, when everybody's got their own agenda and everybody wants this thing and, you know, human beings are fucking selfish creatures. Mm. Um, so, you know, it really does make a difference when people are working together and not working against each other. That That's something that you did bring up that's very true. Like a lot of times people are striving to manipulate or have power and control, and I don't even think they're aware of that. Do you feel that you see that in life a lot? Uh, you know, playing in bands for you know as many years as I have now, you see it so much, and it's just such a common thing that people just kind of accept it as a given 
that uh, you know that's the way people are supposed to act. But it's not. That's not how normal people behave. Uh, <laughs> uh, it would. What really helps me see a lot of it real clearly um, is doing martial arts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's a whole different other thing. It, when I go into the dojo and I'm, I'm, you know, training with the other guys, it, it doesn't matter how good a guitar player I am. That that means nothing <laughs> when someone's trying to punch you and kick you in the head. Uh, you know, what matters is how hard you've trained. And, you know, whether you did your homework, you put your time in, and you learned what you needed to learn to be able to do what you needed to do. That's what fucking matters. You know, all that other fucking shit, it don't matter. Um, There's a certain truth about martial arts. Like, if you get punched in the face, right, if you get punched in the face and it fucking hurts, well, more than likely, you left your guard open. (laughs) You know, uh... You know, so there's a certain truth there that I I thought, you know, what if you could bring that level of truth back into the band dynamic where, you know, you can throw the egos out, you can, you know, figure out what it is that y'all want to do together collectively and and just do that and work on that and fuck all that other fucking shit. You know, sometimes the stuff that bands get caught up in is just so unmusical and helps no one. Um, and I really wanted to banish any and all of that from, you know, what was going on with, with the albums. Because you know what? I think we're making music, so let's make music. Yeah, the focus is very important. You know, if the focus is not there, then it fails in a way. And that's a very good point that you brought up with the martial arts because the mathematical truth, if we may, of the one plus one equals two or action-reaction we we don't live yep. we don't live in that in uh, words, but we communicate <laughs> through words. You know, w- w- words words and actions matching is such a vital thing for us as humans to accomplish things together. Yes, sir. That's very well said. Matching the the words and the actions. So many times, words are just a manipulative tool that mm-hmm. people use. And, and we all fall privy to it. I have myself. I can't say that I, I haven't looked back and be like, wow, I let that person talk me into this. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, dude, yeah. isn't that amazing? It is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of like guilt and shame, and, and, but that's where anger builds in me. I don't know like where anger builds in other people, but for me, it's like when I look back and I'm like, man, all I had to do was say no. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and I and I and I went with it, but that's something I do like to talk about. You did mention one time that I thought was re- something that was really cool—a conversation I want to talk about—and that you mentioned that we are instinctively self-destructive by nature. And I do agree to this, but um, what are the pros to having that instinct? Oh, are there some pros as opposed to just all cons about being self-destructive creatures? Well, I, you know. Anne Rand, uh, the author, had this concept of rational self-interest. Uh, and I don't know if you're familiar with her work mm-hmm. at all, but basically, you know, you have to have some amount of self-interest just to fucking survive, right? You have to have enough self-interest to feed yourself and provide for your family. I mean... Right? That's a rational self-interest. It's not a selfish 
self-interest. It's a rational self-interest, right? Uh, and I think that makes a lot of fucking sense. Where does that cross over into, you know, man's tendency to get carried away and destroy himself? You know, I, I think I think we have some basic design flaws as human beings. Exactly, and that's what I was going to say. And and with the Ayn Rand book that I read um, was We Are We the Living. So I think that was her first book. And mm-hmm. I remember it was a lot to do with the communism that she grew up in. But that was a, a big plot point of it is that like, okay, when you have enough for you and everybody, and then you see that you can get more with whatever means that we have as humans, why would you stop? You know? And I, I've always, it's always, and like I said, I'm not going to say... Uh, until I'm in a situation, I don't comment on it. I'm one of those people. I don't, I'm not an armchair quarterback. If I don't know, if I've never been in a football game, I just watch it. You know, so I don't say things. Right on. Uh, well, that makes you a rare human being. I know. It I really know. does. I do get yeah. upset when my team's losing, but I don't, I'm a Browns fan, so I get upset a lot when my team's losing. But, like, <laughs> but at this point, I'm very much like, you know what, man? I, you know, I don't know what it's like with the pressure or anything like that. So I'm always going to look at the human element because we ha- we look beyond that, right? For everything when it's on a large scale, it's not human anymore. It's superhuman, but, right? Right? And we're taught to be that way. It's it's a very interesting thing. But I really think that instinctiveness of self destruction is what makes us human again when we're on that level. And that's I, what, I'd agree. That's what I like I'd about it. It's that. like you know what? Let me knock myself down since everybody else is telling me I'm the greatest. You know, type of thing. And, um, but eventually, right. That's, that's the law is that if you believe it, everything they say about you at the top, you got to believe everything they say about you at the bottom. And then, yeah, man, the truth is somewhere in the fucking middle. There you go. The truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly, man. And that's, and that, don't we struggle that forever? Like, you know, we've been around for a a while now and obviously we've, the more we go through life, I I guess the less the struggle when it comes to those type of things because we've made mistakes and we've learned our lessons, but isn't, isn't the struggle never ending? Isn't there never really that truth? To live is to struggle. There you go. Ooh, I know that quote. Who said that? (laughs) <laughs> we, I know that quote, whatever. <laughs> so, but that's a good, to live is to struggle, man. Do you think it would ever be, ever be different, no matter how much people try to make it that way? You know, I, I think human beings are exactly how they're going to be, and we can hope for change. We've tried change. Hmm. But there's just some elements that, you know, this is what we are. So I think, you know, we better make the best of the situation we've got, you know, try to, you know, be a moral and ethical, rational person, you know, uh, a citizen of this planet who hopefully leaves it better than they found it. And there's the struggle, I think, because it's so, I feel like we, it's so few of us have power to leave it better than we found it. Not, not in a spiritual way, not through like, you know, our kids and all that stuff, but I'm talking about, I guess, in, in general. I mean, in like this big grand scheme. I don't know. Because of the manip- manipulation process, I always think somebody's agenda is going to be about themselves and not about the rest of everybody. Yeah. That's, yeah, dude, playing music for a living, yeah. you see people and their agendas all the fucking time. It's, it's almost sickening. Um, yeah, that's why I like going to hang out with martial arts people. Um, they got a whole different, you know, perspective on things. They got their own ego problems and issues, 
yeah, okay. But it's a different set. And so it's a little bit refreshing. Did you ever, out of curiosity, because you're a guitar player, did you ever hurt your hand? And then, you know, did that do in martial arts and that affect you in any way? Do you have to, like, pay attention to certain things or certain moves when you're doing the martial arts? Yeah, you know, I I do have to take care. I have to be mindful of the way I'm striking things, um, especially with some of the wrist issues that I had from my neck injury. And Mm. it doesn't sound connected, but actually... The nerves that control your hands, your thumbs, your fingers, they all go through your neck. Mm-hmm. So my neck injury was very destructive to my thumb. Um, took a lot of rehab. I've still got uh, issues from it, nerve damage in my thumb and whatnot. But martial arts, man, yeah, you got to, like, be careful what the fuck you're doing. Um, like, there's one rule we got that I rigidly adhere to. If you're going to strike with something hard like your fist you target a soft area if you're gonna hit a soft area then you can use something with Mm -hmm. you know like your closed fist or whatever but that right there makes a whole hell of a lot of difference so in essence you have to trust the person that you are um practicing with in a lot of ways like dude it's huge amount of trust you there's there's a brotherhood that develops from that amount of trust when you're doing something that violent right and you're you're training with a partner. Your goal isn't to hurt each other. Your goal is to learn the technique or the series of techniques or the moves or the strategy or whatever it is you're working on, but not injure your partner in the process. You know, we, we have a saying, you're responsible for your partner's safety. You are. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of freaking trust that goes on. So the record, let's go back to the record, man. It's a, uh, it's very fine tuned, and the production is, uh, it's very tight. Was that process different on this album than other albums? Uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot different. Uh, this time, George and I decided we were going to take uh, like direct, you know, responsibility and accountability for what was going on with the production. Um, we got uh, Mark Lewis to mix and master it, but like everything, you know, before then, you know, during the recording, the, during the pre-production, you know, how things were mic'd up, you know, what we were doing, the way we went about doing it, you know, it's very much a case of applying lessons, like hard lessons we've learned, you know, from things we did in the past, things we did wrong in the past, things we know we could have done better things where we listen to other people who didn't necessarily have our best interest in mind. You know what? No one's got our best interest in mind quite like we do, mm. you know? And uh, we felt like it was time. We, we knew what needed to be done. Um, so let's be accountable. Let's, let's be responsible. Let's make sure that it gets done the way it needs to be done. Because now albums aren't easy albums to make. Um, you know, yeah. so... You know, we there's a, a level of accountability, you know, that I think at some point has to be reached if you're going to make any forward progress. You know, all right, who's responsible? Who has ultimate responsibility for what is going on? You know, no matter what it is you're talking about, whatever field of endeavor it is, yeah. and somebody's got to be accountable. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. And that's good that you take it upon yourself because that gives you a lot of, uh, I guess, more power for something that's going to have your name on it. Now, Mark Lewis has done many death metal uh, albums with Cannibal and anything like that. Was there an album that he put out 
that you were like, this is the production we're looking for? Or was it just kind of through recommendations? You know, it wasn't a specific record. He's done a few records that I really enjoyed. Mm. Um, the one with Jeff Loomis, uh, man, I really, really loved. The mm. Cannibal record he did, of course. Um, but he's actually done quite a bit of stuff uh, that sounded really great. Um, originally, our plan was to work with Eric Rutan, but uh, Eric's last year, he's been busy playing guitar on tour with Cannibal, so we knew Eric didn't have time. So we went, all right. Who else would we like to work with? And uh, Mark Lewis turned out to be such a great choice. I, I think he did a great job mixing Mask on this record. He really managed to do what needed to be done in a real calm and casual way. I mean, it was great working with him. I love that guy. Cool, man. That's super, super cool. Not, yeah, like I said, he's done so many fantastic records. Guys, make sure you check out some of his work. Uh, but uh, Skeletal Domains, the cannibal one, I, I, off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure that's the one he did. And it's it's really tight sound as well. So I do want to check on something. You guys do something cool that I really like on the Facebook page. And you guys will pull fans to to get to pick the set list. Uh, on the upcoming tour, I did see you guys <laughs> did this. But how much of this poll actually affects the set list? Be honest with me. Well... You know, you have to take, like, the cumulative results. Mm-hmm. Um, just because someone in Topeka, Kansas, asks for a song, if he's the only guy asking for that song, do we need to put it in the set list for the entire country? Well, probably not. But if, like, you see the same songs being consistently asked for from city to city, then, you know, that gives you a strong indication of, hey, you know what, maybe we should play this. Uh, it turns out the songs that people are picking are, you know, quite a bit, you know, very similar. Uh, uh, and we're already playing them. So, <laughs> uh, okay, all right. Um, I can live with that. That's cool. Nice. <laughs> so I do love that you did state recently um, that you're not focused on nostalgia after 25 years in Nile, and um, you focus more on the music of now. Do you think you could ever embrace nostalgia as a focus for your band and your music? Well, you know, when, I, when I'm like 85 years old and it's time for the retirement home mm-hmm. um, and I need something to do on Saturday night, well, okay, then it's time to fucking pull up the checkers and, and play some checkers. Okay, but not now. Right now we got a fucking great band, Uh great bunch of guys who have an incredible amount to contribute. We want to see what this band can do right the fuck now. Um, man, yeah, the potential in this group of individuals collectively working together is just incredible. And that's what we wanted to focus on. Not, you know, not, you know, make another record like Catcombs or make another record like Annihilation. Well, we already did that. You know, and that does not do any justice to the guys who are new in the band. They have their own hopes, dreams, and aspirations of what they would like to achieve. So that's what I'm interested in, what this group of people can do right the fuck now. I'm I'm with you. I love that. I've always preached that. I'm like, dude, I want, if I buy a new record, I want to hear the new songs, man. I don't want to hear the same listen i'm sure you're like me we've been to a lot of bands that we love man you know growing up and and still now we've seen them now it's the same set list as like 15 20 years ago 
that's always breaks my heart, you know, because you're still a fan. And uh, with with that though, like anniversary tours are pretty awesome, you know. And you at the twenty five year oh, mark, sure. you're running into some anniversaries. Would you ever consider to you know commemorate one and play an album in an entirety, or do you think that's not really something that you want to do? Nah, uh, nah, I'm not interested in that. Uh, there was a couple of ex members who who wanted to engage in a nostalgia tour. Mm. And uh, I remember Peter Moore and I saying, no, why the fuck do we want to time travel back in time? We, we feel like we're vital now. You know, Absolutely. he's got his own thing going on. And uh, I, don't, I don't want to do that, you know. It especially gripes me. Like, right now I'm, I'm like snowed in with every fucking record review the record company's fucking sending me. So I see them all, right? And this... Uh, a recurring theme with some of the writers who aren't even talking about the records that they're actually listening to. They're actually writing entire paragraphs about past albums. Um, which to me is utterly retarded because aren't we talking about this album? Can we not like listen to this album and actually listen to this album? You know, people are caught up in this thing oftentimes, you know, with the past is like dictating what you think the future is, but it doesn't have to. We have power as human beings to change our present and our, you know, therefore our future. But if you want to change the present, you have to do it today. You got to take whatever it is you got to work with today and do something with that. That's what's relevant. That's what's meaningful. That's what has potential. Um, this other thing of you know, living in the past or or looking at the past, you know, with this dreamy-eyed perspective, you know, then expecting the future to be like it was. Well, it's not, and it never will be. It was already that thing. It already was that thing. It's never going to be that thing again. And I agree with you on that. I think every record should be looked at as a debut record. People think that history um, and knowledge somehow correlate to what's being presented immediately, but I don't feel that way. And when I first got a record when I was 18... It might be my favorite record because, wow, this is death metal. This is, it might have changed my life. But to keep saying that this is the record compared to this record, I think it, it, is, it is a disservice to you as an artist that does create things new and all that stuff. Um, you I, know, not only is it a disservice to me, mm -hmm. but it's a disservice to themselves, right? I mean, you could yeah. be enjoying this record. Put it on and just enjoy it for whatever it is. Like, it's a waste of somebody else's fucking time. Not even if I don't even want to think about my self-interest, right? I'm thinking about the guy who's listening to this record. You know, if you're going to invest the time to actually listen to the fucking record, then aren't you cheating yourself out of enjoying whatever it is that record happens to have to offer by, like, trying to imagine that it's, like, Ride the Lightning? or, you know, Slayer, uh, Hell Awaits. Well, you know, it's not that. You, you know, like, I don't know, man, this is, 
this is this is a thing that really just at the present time gripes the fuck out of me. Yeah, dude. No, I I get it. I do. I think that um, w- but here's the thing though: is that in essence, though, what is the history though? for the reviewer to, uh, in your opinion, for the reviewer to access, like, your career, in a way, when talking about a new record? No, I'll tell you what it is, man. It's, it's self-aggrandizement on the part of the reviewer who no, yeah. wants to march his history out of the closet and, you know, you know, establish some credibility for himself. Oh, you know, this other thing, this other thing, blah, blah, blah. It's self-aggrandizement. It's like, it's not actual record reviewing. Like, and dude, I see the fucking difference, right? When someone's actually talking about this record, right, and spending paragraphs writing about this record, well, you can see it. It's right there on the fucking piece of paper on the screen. They're talking about this record. If they're talking about how they listened to Nile 20 years ago, and that's what they're writing about, well, it's self-evident if you just fucking look at the fucking piece of the paper you can see who's interested in talking about the record or who's talking about themselves. Yeah. As the yeah. press cycle... Wow. Go- yeah. What a rant. No, no, no. It's not a rant. It's, it's completely <laughs> legit. I also feel like as the press cycle goes, that's how it works. Like, you have to get the reviews right out right away, you know, in a timely fashion to promote. So there's a pro to it. I get it. But a lot of records that I love, it takes me a long time to actually get to know it. And uh, with, yeah, with you metal, can't do it in one lesson. Exactly. With metal, I think a lot of reviews are done in the one, two listens. I'm like, all right, I heard it. I can write about it now. Because in essence, it is a job. And I get that for some people. But that's, that, that, that cycle does hurt our art, art form or a lot of musical art forms. I, I totally agree that it, it's irresponsible to the art form. And if that's the mindset, then. Metal doesn't need that. Uh, it would be better just to shut the fuck up and not do anything. I read a review one time, and I'll never fucking forget it. It was by this guy named Tufel. He had a zine called Tufel's Tune. And he hated us. Hmm. And he was a smart ass. But he was always entertaining. So, you know what? I, I would read his stuff. And we came out with, I think, uh, those from the guys to test. And his review of it basically went... I don't even need to listen to this record to write a, a very thorough review. So here we go. Have a listen to the record. Here's my review. And you know what? His review sounded just as valid as any that I was currently reading, you know, elsewhere. And he didn't even read What the fuck does that say? He didn't wow. even listen to it. Wow. And he was able to write a review that sounded just as fucking legit as whatever else was, you know, currently, you know, available on the internet at that time on that record. What the fuck does that actually fucking say? I, I think it speaks volumes. Yeah, I think it does as well, man. Um, well, reviews. That's, that's, that's a, a, a topic all in itself, a rant all in itself. It's, it's in essence we're telling people what to like, but... <laughs> We're, we also want people to go find what they like. So it's like, here's a recommendation, but why didn't you do this yourself? It's, it's a weird mindset. It's like, find your own voice, and then we come together, you know? Um, right on. It's hard. Reviews are hard, man. I mean, I, I think I don't have to do it for any kind of job or living, but I would, uh, 
I, like I said, if there's something I didn't like, I'd probably say like, because I don't like anything that sounds like it, you know? <laughs> like, so why are you making me review this? That's my mindset. Like if I have to review the next Limp Biscuit record or something that I'm not into at all, is it just I would pass, man? Yeah, I'd let my I little pass. sister do it. <laughs> it's probably more legit for someone who has no reference, you know, to be like, "What is this?" Okay, and then review it than someone that has a history with it. I'm with you on that, dude. I did want to ask you a couple more questions, man, and, and we'll get you get you out of here, Carl. I want to thank you one more time so much for giving me this chat, dude. And I want everybody out there, if you haven't. Make sure you hear the new Nile record, guys. It is fucking excellent. Violinelotic rights, guys. It's out right now. Make sure you pick it up. As we mentioned, in North America, you guys are touring with Terrorizer right now. Tell me about that. Do you like doing package tours with similar bands, or are you kind of still open to doing tours with... Uh, I know you toured Soulfly, like I want to say last year. Are you still open to doing tours like that? And are those working out when you do kind of two separate kind of metal bands? You know, uh, it, it does have, I think, to do with the audience's acceptability of, you know, where the two styles can coexist peacefully. Um, like, for whatever reason, um, us and Soulfly, as a package, it works. Um, uh, we've gone out with bands that it didn't necessarily work, Um like, uh, well, I'm not going to name the negatives, no but I will name the positives. Um, like, we just finished a tour with Hate Eternal in Europe. Uh, Hate, us, Hate Eternal, Vitriol. Uh, and, man, it was such a pleasure to be part of that package. Uh, the bands were musically compatible, and we got along as people. And Dude, that was fun. That was like Metal Brotherhood, you know, rolling across Europe. Um, and the Terrorizer guys... Uh, we've toured with them before, shared a bus with them before, so we know them as people. We go way the fuck back. So it's it's kind of like almost family. Like you're going on a big family vacation that just happens to be hitting all the fucking places in America to play metal. That's what I like to hear, man. You never want drama. You want it to be like a family because when you guys are in a good mood and you guys are on stage, it, like I said, the energy, I always feel it now. I mean, it's, an, it's like an older man thing. People probably think I'm stupid, but I feel like when I walk into a room, like this is going to be awesome or what's going on. Like there's, there's a tension that my body attunes to now. It's, it's a weird thing. Do you feel that ever or am I just completely off base? You know, I know what you're talking about. You're, yeah. you're talking about the human energy, yeah. you know, that's, comes from, you know, putting a whole bunch of people in one, one room. Um, you know, if they're all on the same wavelength, if everybody is there because they want to hear music and they want to have a good time, man, that, that's incredible, mm-hmm. right? You know, the band starts and, you know, your the audience is right there with them on that same wavelength. That's fucking incredible. That's what I like, that sense of community that, yes. that metal has where, you know, we're all banging our heads together, or we're all in the pit together, or we're all listening together and feeling that same energy together. That's that's what I love, man. That's what drives me. Exactly. Now, that's that's I felt it one time, and I never left. That's the way I always tell people. I'm like, I can't tell you exactly when or where, but that's that energy is. We're like, no, this is my home because I'm. I don't feel it at school. I don't feel it here. I don't feel it, but I feel it in this room with these people. 
and that band on stage, man. Last question, Carl, before I let you go, buddy. I just always wondered, lyrically, you know, there's a lot of the, uh, the sci-fi, the Egyptian stuff, but has there ever been a real personal song that you've twisted lyrically into some of that mythology that we like to write about with Nile? <laughs> uh, well, you know, if you peel back enough layers, mm. you can usually find, you know, what it is that was going on in my life that prompted me to think about bit of history in this way or, or that way. Um, it's there, and, and I know which ones are which, um, you know, but... I'm not going to share? <laughs> you, I don't know that it necessarily serves any purpose. If, if I Completely. were to say Black Seeds of Vengeance, you know, I'm, I'm really talking about my ex-wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you know, what's about, is, that, is that even going to mean anything to anybody? Mm. Because if you put that on... It's not what you're going to get from the song. That uh, you know, there was something going on in my life at that time that made me think about vengeance in a certain way, um, and it came out talking about this other historical thing. I mean, is that really relevant? I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I think as artists, you know, there are things that drive people uh, and push them to want to create, and sometimes what they create is not necessarily related to what drove them to create it in the fucking first place. Absolutely, man. Excellent, dude. So everybody, one more time. I want to thank you, Carl, first off for talking to me. That's big, big, big deal for me, man. I've been a fan for so long. Vile Nelotic Rights, guys, it's out right now. Make sure you pick it up. Do not miss this tour in North America with Nile and Terrorizer. I can't wait. I'll see you guys out here in Las Vegas as we discussed before. So with that, Carl, I want to thank you so much for calling in to the Metal Sucks podcast. Well, thank you, sir.
Podcast.
And we are back, guys. First song you heard is off the new record by Niall Vile. Nelotic Rights. First song you heard, Long Shadows of Dread. Second song, Vile, Nelotic Rights. Make sure you guys are picking up this record. It's fucking awesome. Perfect late addition to the year for a lot of best of lists, guys. Make sure you guys are checking it out and don't miss them in Terrorizer in North America. They're on tour right now. Third song you heard is from a band called Cunts. That's right, Cunts. Their self-titled record. Is it Coons? No, it's Cunts. Okay. It's Cunts. Plural? Uh-huh. Not per, uh, well, I guess it is plural. Yeah. So you're saying it's many cunts. Yeah. Well, there's four several, guys in the band. Several cunts. Yeah. So guys, uh, this, the song you heard is called "Dying to Hit." The record is out. They'll be opening for Mr. Bungle and and, and their oh. reunion tour. So make sure you guys, if you want to fly out and see Mr. Bungle, or if you're in the region, make sure you guys check out the new record by Cunts and well, Mike uh, Patton for you. Meow who, who, who doesn't like seeing... I don't know if that... We have to know what that means before we just say it all the time. What's Why? Yeah. Well, it, means, Why? it means what we want it to mean, Pete. There you go, Pete. Uh, fine. It's, it's open to interpretation. Fine. I'm right. sorry. I'll, I'll just keep going with my roast. Why don't you guys tweet us and tell us what hashtag it means? It means we're going to say it until the joke completely burns out. <laughs> yeah. Which so might what, be already. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Could be. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, so with that, I want to thank everybody out there for the five-star reviews on the good old iTunes. We know Tommy the Duck took care of us. You're the best, buddy. We really appreciate it. That's all we ask from you guys. If you can, if you take the time just to go to iTunes, click five stars. That's all we can do. And for everybody that has been following us on our other podcast, Rise to Offend, thank you guys so much for checking that out, the documentary podcast. This week, we are doing Silent Night, Deadly Night, which uh, was controversial and amazing. And... It's got my favorite screen queen in that, but I'm not going to say anything. I don't know her real name. It's Trash from Return of the Living Dead. What's her name? A Trash Miller. That's pretty much. I, don't I just call her Trash. Right? I'm sure she loves that. Yeah, I'm sure she appreciates it. I'm sure if you walk up and see her on the streets, Trash. I would. I'd be like, wow, hey, you were wow. great in Night of the Demons when you put the lipstick in your titty, Trash. I don't know her Do you know what at. I think she would say? Hmm. Hashtag me out too. Oh. Yeah. Yes. yes, it comes full circle. <laughs> Until next week, friends. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.